Welcome to HackerCast, an AI-generated podcast summary of Hacker News. I'm your host, GPT-4. Today is July 21, 2023. Let's get started. Part 1. Favorites. 1. Kevin Mitnick has died from DignityMemorial.com. The article is an obituary for Kevin David Mitnick, a renowned hacker and security consultant, who passed away on July 16, 2023, after battling pancreatic cancer. Mitnick's life was marked by his intelligence, restlessness, and a penchant for mischief, which led him from pranks and magic tricks to phone freaking, social engineering, and computer hacking. After serving time in prison, he became a white hat hacker and security consultant, establishing Mitnick Security Consulting and becoming the chief hacking officer of No B4. Despite his illness, Mitnick was known for his generosity, unique laugh, and work ethic. The obituary is published on the Dignity Memorial website, which offers various features such as sharing the obituary, signing up for updates, sending sympathy gifts, and lighting a virtual candle in memory of the deceased. The website also provides resources for dealing with grief. 2. Llama2 from i.meta.com The article on i.meta.com introduces Llama2, the next generation of Meta's open-source large language model. Llama2, available for free for both research and commercial use, includes model weights and starting code for pre-trained and fine-tuned language models, ranging from 7B to 70B parameters. The pre-trained models are trained on 2 trillion tokens and have double the context length of Llama1, while the fine-tuned models have been trained on over 1 million human annotations. Llama 2 outperforms other open-source language models on many external benchmarks. The article also mentions the global partners and supporters of Llama 2, including companies, cloud providers, researchers, and individuals across tech, academia, and policy. The article concludes by providing a link to download Llama 2, subject to agreement with Meta's privacy policy. The article also contains social media icons and links to Meta AI's social media platforms and policies. 3. WordPress Playground, a WordPress that runs entirely in the browser from developer.wordpress.org. The WordPress Playground is a new project that allows users to experience a fully functional WordPress environment directly in their browser. This innovative tool is designed to make WordPress instantly accessible for users, learners, extenders, and contributors. It offers a range of features, including the ability to try a block, theme, or plugin, build an entire site, test your plugin with specific WordPress and PHP versions, and even embed a real, interactive WordPress site in your tutorial or course. The Playground operates using cutting-edge technologies to make key WordPress dependencies work in JavaScript. PHP runs as a WebAssembly binary, MySQL is replaced for SQLite via a WordPress plugin, and the web server is implemented in JavaScript as a service worker. The Playground also offers an API for developers to unlock its full potential. This includes creating single-click website clones, zero-setup website builders, WordPress programming tutorials in the browser without any local setup, and more. The project is still young and actively seeking contributions from the community. It's primarily built with JavaScript, and anyone can contribute, even if they're not a developer. Contributions can range from adding issues or pull requests to the WordPress Playground GitHub repository, joining the conversation on the Making WordPress Slack channel, or simply sharing the project with your network. In essence, the WordPress Playground is a significant step forward in making WordPress more accessible and interactive for users of all skill levels. It's a testament to the power of modern web technologies and the potential they hold for transforming the way we interact with web platforms. 4. The past is not true from Sive.rs. Penned by Derek Sivers, the article titled The Past is Not True is a poignant exploration of the malleability of memory and the power of perspective. 
Sivers, a renowned writer and entrepreneur, shares a personal anecdote to illustrate his point. At 17, Sivers was involved in a car accident that he believed had left the other driver paralyzed. This belief burdened him for years until, at 35, he sought out the woman to apologize. To his surprise, he discovered that she was not paralyzed, but had merely fractured a few vertebrae. Moreover, she had interpreted the accident as her fault, not his. This revelation led both of them to reassess their memories and feelings of guilt about the incident. Sivers uses this story to highlight how our understanding of the past is often based on incomplete information and personal interpretation. He argues that the past is not a fixed reality, but a collection of memories and narratives that can be reinterpreted. He likens this to pointing a laser at the moon. A tiny shift in perspective can lead to a massive change in outcome. The significance of Sivers' article lies in its challenge to the conventional understanding of the past. It encourages readers to question their own memories and narratives, and to recognize the potential for change and growth that comes with reinterpretation. This perspective can be liberating, especially for those burdened by guilt or regret over past events. 5. Accidentally Load-Bearing from Jeff.com Penned by Jeff Kaufman, the article titled Accidentally Load-Bearing explores the concept of Chesterton's fence, a principle that cautions against changing or removing something without understanding its original purpose. Kaufman uses this principle to discuss the importance of understanding the original and evolved purposes of elements within complex systems, such as a house or a computer system. Kaufman begins by explaining Chesterton's fence, a concept derived from G.K. Chesterton's work, The Drift from Domesticity. The principle suggests that before altering or removing something, one should first understand why it was put there. Kaufman illustrates this with a personal anecdote about a vertical stud in his bathroom that was initially part of a closet partition. Over time, However, the stud had become accidentally load-bearing, supporting the second floor of his house. Despite its original purpose being obsolete, the stud had evolved to serve a new, crucial function. Kaufman extends this concept to complex computer systems. He emphasizes the importance of understanding why a component was built the way it was, but also examining how it integrates into the system today, where it may have taken on additional roles. He suggests that a thorough review of the change history and original design documents can be beneficial in this process. In essence, Kaufman's article underscores the importance of understanding both the original and current functions of elements within complex systems before making changes. This is significant as it highlights the potential risks of altering or removing elements without fully understanding their evolved roles, which could lead to unforeseen consequences. It serves as a reminder to approach changes with caution and thorough understanding, whether in the context of home renovation or software development. 6. Nobody cares about your blog from alexmalas.com. Penned by Alex Malas, the article titled Nobody Cares About Your Blog is a candid exploration of the reasons why most blogs go unnoticed and why, despite this, one should persist in writing. Malas, a seasoned blogger himself, presents a dual perspective on the subject. Malas begins by listing reasons why most blogs fail to garner attention. He points out the lack of originality, the absence of expert knowledge, the potential for negative criticism, and the risk of exposing one's own ignorance. However, he swiftly counters these points with a compelling argument for why one should continue to blog. Malas suggests that a blog can serve as a personal journal, a platform for catharsis, and a tool for learning and self-improvement. He cites Paul Graham's assertion that writing about a topic often reveals gaps in one's understanding of it. He also quotes Bill Thurston's idea that everyone has unique insights to offer, no matter how murky. Furthermore, Malas argues that blogging about specific problems can potentially help others facing the same issues, and maintaining a blog can provide a sense of ownership and freedom. He concludes with a defiant note, asserting the right to express oneself freely on one's own blog, 
regardless of public opinion. In essence, Malas' article is a rallying cry for bloggers to persist in their craft, not for the sake of public approval, but for personal growth, self-expression, and the potential to make a difference, however small. It serves as a reminder that the value of a blog is not solely determined by its popularity, but also by the personal fulfillment and growth it provides to the writer. 7. A Glitch in the SEO Matrix from Izzy.co Penned by Izzy Miller, the article titled A Glitch in the SEO Matrix delves into an intriguing anomaly in the world of search engine optimization, SEO. Miller stumbles upon a peculiarly specific search string, a comprehensive ecosystem of open-source software for big data management, which is being searched by 2,400 people every month. Intriguingly, there are about 1,000 results for this exact query, a number that is both unusually small and large for Google searches. Miller's investigation reveals that most of these results are AI-generated blogs, recently published. The mystery unravels when Miller discovers that the search string is a potential question on a sample final exam for a popular Cisco introduction to IoT course. The answer to this question is Hadoop, leading thousands of students to search for the exact phrase while studying for their exam. This surge in search volume was picked up by SEO analytics dashboards, resulting in a flurry of low-quality posts trying to rank for this oddly specific keyword. However, Miller points out a fundamental problem with this SEO-driven approach. The actual information the user needs is simply the word Hadoop, but the SEO-focused articles are bloated with unnecessary jargon and information, often burying the answer deep within the text. This misalignment with the user's search intent leads to a glut of unhelpful content, a trend that Miller predicts will only increase with the rise of AI-generated blogs. Analysis Miller's article offers a fascinating glimpse into the peculiarities and pitfalls of SEO. It underscores the importance of aligning content with user intent, rather than blindly chasing keywords. The case study serves as a cautionary tale for businesses and content creators, highlighting the potential for SEO strategies to backfire when they prioritize ranking over providing value to the user. The rise of AI-generated blogs, while potentially beneficial in some cases, could exacerbate this issue by flooding the internet with low-quality, intent-misaligned content. This article is a reminder that in the race to rank, the ultimate goal of serving the user's needs should not be lost. 8. How to Use AI to Do Stuff an opinionated guide from oneusfolding.org. The article How to Use AI to Do Stuff, an opinionated guide by Ethan Mollick on One Useful Thing provides a comprehensive guide on the use of various AI tools. Mollick discusses the current state of AI, focusing on large language models, LLMs, like OpenAI's GPT-3.5 and GPT-4, Google's BARD, and Anthropic's Claude 2. He criticizes the lack of user documentation provided by AI labs and warns about the potential for AI to generate false content. The author also discusses the use of AI in writing, image creation, idea generation, video creation, document handling, and learning. He recommends Bing and Claude 2 as the best free options for writing, Adobe Firefly for image creation, and Bing for idea generation. He also warns about the ethical concerns related to deep fakes and the built-in biases of these systems. The article concludes with a reminder that AI is a tool and may not always be the right one for the job, and stresses the importance of using these tools ethically. The text also includes comments from readers who appreciate the article's insights. 9. Electric Bike, Stupid Love of My Life from CraigMod.com The article Electric Bike, Stupid Love of My Life by Craig Mod, reflects on his 18-month experience of owning electric bikes. Maud shares his initial encounter with an electric bike in Kyoto and his subsequent purchase of two electric bikes, the BIS PSA-1 and the Van Moof X3, during the pandemic. Despite their flaws, Maud enjoys the unique and exhilarating experience of riding these bikes. 
He also discusses his upgrades to the BISF bike and his thoughts on the van move, expressing a desire for it to be open source and hackable. Mod also highlights the benefits of pedal assist bikes over electric scooters, including flexibility in parking and riding, lower costs, and the ability to use the bike without power. Part 2, Show HN. 1. DocuZeal, open source DocuSign alternative from GitHub.com. The text provides a detailed overview of the DocuZeal project, an open source alternative to DocuSign, hosted on GitHub by the user DocuShalko. The repository has gained popularity with 1.4k stars and 36 forks. It includes sections like code, issues, pull requests, and more, and contains various directories and files. The project is licensed under the AGPL 3.0 license and offers options to work with the code via GitHub Desktop, zip file, Git, SVN, CLI, or Codespaces. Each file in the repository has a specific commit associated with it. DocuZeal offers features like a PDF form fields builder, multiple submitters per document, automated emails, file storage on various platforms, PDF e-signature and verification, user management, and mobile optimization. It can be deployed on platforms like Heroku, Railway, DigitalOcean, and Render, and is tagged with topics like open source, PDF, Vue.js, Webpack, self-hosted, e-signature, documents, Ruby on Rails, Legal Tech, Tailwinks, PDF Signature, PDF Sign, Document Signing, Daisyo. The repository uses languages like Ruby, HTML, Vue, JavaScript, SCSS, and Dockerfile. 2. Olama, Run LLMs on your Mac from GitHub.com. The text provides an overview of the Olama GitHub repository by user Morganka, a tool designed to help users work with large language models locally. The repository includes various directories, each with their own commit messages and timestamps. The repository is licensed under the MIT license and provides several options for users to interact with the code. The Olama project is in early preview and works with a variety of open source models. It provides a guide for running and interacting with these models, creating custom models, and pulling models from the registry. The project also includes a library of open source models and instructions for building the tool from source. The text also provides a snapshot of a GitHub user profile for David Zirinsky, detailing the programming languages used in their repositories. However, it does not provide additional information about the user's projects or contributions. 3. Send emails from your terminal from github.com. The article discusses the POP project by user Charmbracelet on GitHub, an open-source software that allows users to send emails directly from their terminal. The project, licensed under the MIT license, has received significant attention from the GitHub community with 960 stars and 21 forks. The latest commit, made by users Agor Romanov and Mas Lalani, added an unsafe HTML render and plugins. The repository provides comprehensive links to the project's code, issues, pull requests, actions, projects, security, insights, and contributing guidelines. The software can be used with a text-based user interface, TUI, or a command line interface, CLI, and can be combined with other tools to create powerful email pipelines. The article also provides a demonstration of how to use the project to generate and send invoices entirely from the command line using the invoice and POP tools. Feedback on the project is encouraged through various channels, including Twitter, the Fediverse, and Discord. Part 3. Code. 1. Advanced Python Mastery from GitHub.com. The Advanced Python Mastery course by Adabias is available on GitHub under the CC by SA 4.0 license. The repository has gained significant attention with 5.2k stars and 572 forks. 
It includes sections like code, issues, pull requests, and more. The repository contains folders like data, exercises, and solutions, and files like .gitignore, license.md, pythonmastery.pdf, and readme.md. The course, designed for advanced Python programmers, is exercise-driven and focuses on programming techniques used in popular libraries and frameworks. Participants are advised to work locally in a proper Python development environment. The course material includes a PDF file with detailed presentation slides, course exercises, and suggested timings. The course also suggests more in-depth tutorials on selected topics. The course is free of ads, tracking, pop-ups, newsletters, and AI. 2. Lazy Vim from LazyVim.org Lazy, Vim, a NeoVim setup powered by Lazy.NVim, is designed to transform your NeoVim into a full-fledged integrated development environment, IDE. The setup is easy to customize and extend, and it's noted for its speed. It also provides default settings for options, autocoms, and key maps, and comes with a wealth of pre-configured plugins ready for use. The requirements for using Lazy Vim include NeoVim version 0.8.0 or higher, built with Lua Jeet, and Git version 2.19.0 or higher for partial clone support. Optional but recommended components include a Nerd Font version 3.0 or greater, LazyJit, a C compiler for NVIM TreeSitter, and Telescope.nvim. For the latter, LiveGrep and Find Files functionalities are provided by RipGrep and FD respectively. Lastly, a terminal that supports true color and undercurl is required with options including Kitty, WesTerm, Alacrity, and a term too. The significance of Lazy Vim lies in its ability to enhance the NeoVim experience, making it more user-friendly and efficient. It's a valuable tool for developers seeking to optimize their coding environment. 3. Type chat from Microsoft.GitHub.io Penned by a team of Microsoft developers, the article introduces Type Chat, an experimental library designed to integrate large language models, LLMs, into existing app interfaces. The team's goal is to augment traditional UI with natural language interfaces, transforming user requests into actionable tasks for apps, while ensuring safety and trustworthiness. The article begins by discussing the challenges of parsing natural language, a task that LLMs are increasingly being used for. The authors demonstrate how LLMs can be instructed to respond in JSON format, providing structured responses that are easier for software to interpret. However, they note that these responses can be inconsistent and lack validation. To address this, the authors introduce the concept of using types, specifically TypeScript types, to guide AI responses. By using types, the authors argue that responses can be validated against the TypeScript compiler, providing a robust process for generating well-typed responses that can be further processed by apps. The authors then introduce TypeChat, a library they have developed to facilitate this process. TypeChat, which is available on NPM, provides tools for prompt prototyping, schema validation, repair, and more. The authors provide a code example demonstrating how type chat can be used to determine the sentiment of a sentence. The authors conclude by emphasizing that type chat is open source and designed to be model neutral, meaning it can work with any chat completion style API. They invite readers to try type chat and provide feedback on GitHub. In essence, type chat represents a significant step towards integrating AI into app interfaces. By using TypeScript types to guide and validate AI responses, developers can ensure that their apps are able to effectively interpret and act on user requests. This could potentially revolutionize the way we interact with apps, making them more intuitive and responsive to our needs. 4. Fourth, the programming language that writes itself, the web page from ratfactor.com. The article, authored by Dave Gower, 
explores the fourth programming language, its history, and unique features. Gower reminisces about his early programming days and introduces Fourth, a flexible language created by Chuck Moore. He explains that Fourth uses postfix or reverse Polish notation, RPN, and is a stack-based language. The article also discusses the concept of stack-based programming and concatenative programming, a key feature of Fourth. The author contrasts applicative and concatenative languages and introduces the programming language Joy, a canonical example of a concatenative language. The article also discusses combinatory logic a term expressed in lambda calculus, and the building blocks of combinatory logic, including the simplest combinator, I, and the K and S combinators. The author emphasizes that these combinators are all that's needed to perform any computation. The article concludes by discussing the relationship between combinatory programming and fourth, and the historical context of fourth's creation. The author argues that understanding concatenative programming doesn't help us understand the true nature of fourth, suggesting that the answers lie in the time of its creation. 5. Undocumented 8086 Instructions, Explained by the Microcode from Rido.com The article, Undocumented 8086 Instructions, Explained by the Microcode by Ken Sheriff, delves into the intricacies of the Intel 8086 processor's instruction set, focusing on undocumented instructions and their behavior. The article explains how modern microprocessors generate an exception when given an illegal instruction but early processors like the 8086 would execute something unspecified. The 8086's microcode, a technique dating back to 1951, is used to implement most instructions, including undocumented ones. The article also discusses the Mojer-M byte, a fundamental part of the 8086 instruction format that specifies addressing for many instructions. It further examines the holes in the opcode table, which are opcode values that do not correspond to documented 8086 instructions. The article also explains the microcode for the POP segment register instruction and the use of undocumented opcodes in the 8086 instruction set. It concludes by discussing the use of two-byte opcodes in the 8086 instruction set and the microcode used for various instructions, including shift instructions, D2 and D3 instructions, group 1 and group 2 instructions, and the IMMED group. The article provides a detailed analysis of the 8086 microprocessor's instruction set and the microcode used for various instructions. 6. What makes developers productive? From JeremyMikola.com. Jeremy Mikola, in his blog post titled What Makes Developers Productive? delves into the multifaceted nature of developer productivity. He argues that productivity is not just about the output, but also about the understanding and knowledge of the system, the tools used, and the environment in which the developer operates. Mikola identifies several key factors that contribute to developer productivity. Firstly, he emphasizes the importance of knowing what to build. Developers need to understand customer needs, legal constraints, and past failures to avoid wasting time on unproductive tasks. He also highlights the value of learning from prototypes and MVPs. Secondly, Mikola suggests that doing fewer things can enhance productivity. He criticizes busy work and tasks that don't move projects forward, such as answering support tickets, which can appear productive but don't necessarily improve the company's position. Thirdly, he underscores the significance of quick reacting tooling. Slow tools not only waste time but also break a developer's focus, leading to frustration and decreased productivity. Fourthly, Mikola points out the importance of knowledge in the developer's head. Developers who are familiar with the code base and tools are more productive as they can avoid pitfalls and ask the right questions. He advocates for clean boundaries between systems, documentation, and increased specialization to enhance this knowledge. Fifthly, he discusses the role of helpful infrastructure and low-tech debt in productivity. 
Infrastructure should aid rather than hinder the developer, and high-tech debt can make even small changes to functionality require large changes to the system. Lastly, Mikola highlights the importance of low rates of failure, practical productive practices, the ability to focus, and the completion of tasks. He argues that failures waste time, discouraging practices hinder productivity, interruptions steal focus, and unfinished tasks are unproductive. In conclusion, Mikola suggests that while it may be hard to measure all these factors, addressing them can significantly increase productivity. He ends with a metaphor, stating that when you need to cut trees quickly, start by sharpening the saw. Analysis Mikola's article provides a comprehensive exploration of the factors that influence developer productivity. It challenges the traditional notion of productivity as mere output and instead presents it as a complex interplay of knowledge, tools, environment, and practices. This perspective is significant as it encourages a more holistic approach to enhancing productivity, focusing not just on the quantity of work done but also on the quality of the work environment and. Part 4. Data. 1. PostgreSQL. No more vacuum. No more bloat from Orioldata.com. Penned by Alexander Korotkoff, the article titled PostgreSQL, No More Vacuum, No More Bloat on Orioldata's blog, delves into the challenges of PostgreSQL, a robust open-source object relational database system, and introduces OrioleDB, a novel engine designed to address these issues. The article begins by discussing the historical challenge of the vacuum process in PostgreSQL, a remnant from the Berkeley Postgres project's concept of infinite time travel. This led to the implementation of a multi-version concurrency control, MVCC, system, which, while beneficial for handling concurrent transactions, necessitated manual vacuuming to purge old, unneeded data. This process was labor-intensive and a potential source of inefficiencies. The PostgreSQL community introduced AutoVacuum to alleviate this, but it still consumes substantial system resources, leading companies like Uber to migrate from PostgreSQL to MySQL. Despite further enhancements like heap-only tuples, HOT, updates and microvacuum, the vacuum process remained resource-intensive, and PostgreSQL tables were still prone to bloat. Enter OrioleDB, a groundbreaking new engine for PostgreSQL, developed to save tables from bloat and eliminate the need for regular maintenance like vacuum. It achieves this through the implementation of row-level and block-level undo logs, as well as automatic page merging. These features result in a system that requires less manual intervention, consumes fewer resources, and is less prone to table bloat, promising a significant improvement in the performance and user experience of PostgreSQL. The article provides a synthetic benchmark to illustrate the advantages of OrioleDB, including the need to update only one index due to undo log and in-place updates, automatic page merge saving sparse index from bloat, and row-level wall taking much less space than block-level wall. The cumulative result of these improvements is that OrioleDB provides 5x higher TPS, 2.3x less CPU load per transaction, 22x less IOPS per transaction, and no table and index bloat. In conclusion, the article heralds the arrival of OrioleDB as a new era for the PostgreSQL community, where the challenges of vacuum and table bloat are things of the past. It invites readers to try OrioleDB and join the revolution to a more streamlined, efficient, and vacuum-free PostgreSQL experience. The significance of this article lies in its introduction of OrioleDB. 2. Let's Plot, an open-source plotting library for statistical data from letsplot.org. The website in focus is letsplot.org, an open-source plotting library for statistical data. The library is a product of JetBrains, a renowned software development company. The Let's Plot library is designed to help data scientists and developers visualize statistical data in a more intuitive and efficient manner. The Let's Plot library is built on the principles of the grammar of graphics, 
a concept well known to data scientists who use R, particularly the ggplot2 package. The library provides a bridge between R and Python, two of the most popular languages in data science, allowing users to leverage the strengths of both. The library offers a range of features that make it a powerful tool for data visualization. These include a ggplot2-like API, customizable tooltips, compatibility with various computational notebooks and JetBrains professional IDEs, and support for formatting of numeric and date-time values. It also offers a Kotlin API, enabling data visualization in JVM and Kotlin-JS applications as well as in scientific notebooks like Jupyter and Datalore. One of the standout features of Let's Plot is its support for geospatial visualization. Users can find spatial objects with the help of the library's powerful and easy-to-use geocoding module. If users already have a geo data frame, they can plot it straight away. The Let's Plot library also supports data sampling, a technique that helps deal with large datasets and overplotting. Additionally, it allows users to export plots to SVG, HTML, and PNG formats, and supports interactive maps that allow zooming and panning around geospatial data. In terms of its significance, the Let's Plot library is a valuable tool for anyone working with statistical data. Its open-source nature means it's accessible to all, and its wide range of features make it a versatile tool for data visualization. Whether you're a data scientist, a developer, or a researcher, the Let's Plot library offers a powerful and efficient way to visualize and understand your data. 3. SnakeMake, a framework for reproducible data analysis from snakemake.github.io. The website in focus is the official page for SnakeMake, an open-source, MIT-licensed framework for reproducible data analysis. SnakeMake is designed to make data analysis workflows easy to read, adaptable, and powerful, using a specification language built on top of Python. The framework is designed with readability, portability, modularization, transparency, and scalability in mind. Each rule in SnakeMake describes a step in an analysis, defining how to obtain output files from input files, with dependencies between rules determined automatically. SnakeMake integrates with the Conda Package Manager and Container Virtualization, ensuring that all software dependencies of each workflow step are automatically deployed upon execution. This makes the framework highly portable. Modularization is another key feature of SnakeMake. It allows for rapid implementation of analysis steps via direct script and Jupyter Notebook integration. Users can easily create and employ reusable tool wrappers and split their data analysis into well-separated modules. Transparency is ensured through automatic, interactive, self-contained reports that provide full transparency from results down to use steps, parameters, code, and software. Finally, SnakeMake is designed to scale seamlessly from single to multi-core, clusters, or the cloud, without modification of the workflow definition and automatic avoidance of redundant computations. In terms of significance, SnakeMake is a powerful tool for data scientists and analysts, offering a comprehensive, scalable, and transparent solution for reproducible data analysis. Its integration with popular tools and languages, along with its focus on readability and modularization, makes it a versatile choice for both individual researchers and larger teams. Part 5. Design. 1. Sweden Sands from identity.sweden.say. The webpage in focus is a part of Sweden's official identity website, specifically the section dedicated to typography. The page is a comprehensive guide to the typographic principles that define Sweden's brand identity. The page begins with an overview of the importance of typography in creating a consistent and recognizable brand identity. It then delves into the specifics of Sweden's typographic system, starting with a hierarchy of typefaces. 
The main typeface, alternative typeface, and fallback typeface are all clearly defined, each with its own role in the overall design system. The page also discusses the concept of type stairs, a term used to describe the varying sizes of type used to create a visual hierarchy in design. It further elaborates on the digital application of these typefaces, including guidelines for alignment and writing style. The page concludes with a section on applications, providing examples of how these typographic principles are applied in various contexts, from print to digital media. The significance of this page lies in its role as a guide for anyone looking to create or use materials that align with Sweden's brand identity. It provides a clear, detailed, and accessible guide to the typographic principles that underpin the country's visual identity, ensuring consistency across all platforms and mediums. This is a testament to Sweden's commitment to clear communication and design excellence. 2. Iosevka Typeface for Code, from code from github.com. The article discusses the Iosevka Typeface, a versatile font design for coding, hosted on a public GitHub repository. The repository has been starred 16.5k times and forked 535 times, and contains various sections including code, issues, pull requests, and more. The typeface is licensed under the OFL 1.1 license and supports 226 languages. The article also provides detailed instructions on how to install the Iosevka typeface on various operating systems including Mac OS, Linux, FreeBSD, and OpenBSD. The typeface offers six monospace subfamilies and two quasi-proportional subfamilies, and includes a wide range of characters. The repository is regularly updated with new characters and improvements. 3. Data-Oriented Design Principles from Data-Oriented.de Sign The website, Data-Oriented Design Principles, is a collection of insights from Mike Acton's talk at CPPCon 2014. Acton, a well-known figure in the programming community, emphasizes the importance of understanding data and problem-solving. The website presents several principles, each a nugget of wisdom from Acton's talk. The first principle states that the purpose of all programs is to transform data from one form to another. This underscores the centrality of data and programming. Another principle posits that understanding the problem is synonymous with understanding the data. This suggests that a deep comprehension of data is key to effective problem-solving. Acton also highlights the importance of understanding the cost of solving a problem and the hardware involved. This implies that a holistic understanding of the problem, including its context and constraints, is crucial. He further asserts that everything, including usability, maintenance, and debuggability, is a data problem. This broadens the scope of data-oriented design beyond mere programming. One of the more provocative principles suggests that solving problems you probably don't have creates more problems you definitely do. This serves as a caution against over-engineering or prematurely optimizing solutions. The website is a distillation of Acton's talk, which can be viewed in full on YouTube. It was created by Blaine Smith and was inspired by Go Proverbs, another collection of programming wisdom. In terms of significance, these principles underscore the importance of a data-centric approach in programming and problem-solving. They challenge programmers to think deeply about the data they work with and the problems they aim to solve. This approach could lead to more efficient, effective, and maintainable solutions. 4. Hypnosis, the designers who changed the record sleeve from TheGuardian.com. The article discusses a new film by Anton Corbein, Squaring the Circle, the story of hypnosis, which explores the work of Aubrey Poe Powell and the late Storm Thorgerson, founders of Hypnosis, a pioneering album cover design company. The film features interviews with artists such as Pink Floyd, Led Zeppelin, and Paul McCartney, whose album covers were designed by Hypnosis. 
Corbain discusses his creative approach and admiration for Thorgerson and Powell's design feats before the digital era. The documentary, shot in Corbain's signature black and white style, also explores the dynamic relationship between Powell and Thorgerson, their creative process, and the influence of hypnosis in the music industry. The film premiered at the Sundance Film Festival. 5. Free Beautiful, Hand-Drawn Illustrations for Your Projects from FreeIllustrations.club The website in focus, FreeIllustrations.club, is a treasure trove for designers and creatives, offering a wide array of hand-drawn, vector illustrations free of charge. These illustrations are ideal for a multitude of applications, including websites, mobile applications, marketing materials, social media posts, templates, and work presentations. The site offers a variety of illustration packs, each with a unique theme. For instance, there's a pack of 69 black and white illustrations, another with 20 vector illustrations, one with 20 minimalistic people illustrations, and yet another with 20 poses illustrations. Each pack is available for free download via Gumroad, a platform for creators to sell their work. The creator behind these illustrations is Greg Lubbocks, a designer with a presence on Dribbble and Twitter. His Gumroad page, linked on the site, hosts all the free illustration packs, making it easy for users to access and download them. In essence, freeillustrations.club is a valuable resource for anyone in need of unique, high-quality illustrations for their projects. It's a testament to the spirit of the creative community, where resources are shared freely, fostering innovation and collaboration. The site's offerings could significantly enhance the visual appeal of a project, making it more engaging for its intended audience. Part 6. Books. 1. Bookworm, a federated social network for reading books from joinbookworm.com. Book, Worm, a social network for book lovers, is the brainchild of Mouse Reef. The platform is designed to allow users to track their reading, discuss books, write reviews, and discover new reading material. Book, Worm is unique in its approach to social networking. It operates on a decentralized model, allowing users to join small, trusted communities that can connect with one another and with other activity pub services like Mastodon and Pleroma. This decentralization is a key feature of Book Worm, promoting a friendly, anti-corporate ethos. The platform offers several features to enhance the reading experience. Users can track their reading progress, update their reading status as they start and finish books, and set an annual reading goal. The platform also encourages social interaction, allowing users to see what their friends are reading and share their own thoughts and reviews. Importantly, Bookworm emphasizes recommendations from people, not algorithms, fostering a more organic discovery of new books. In terms of its significance, Bookworm represents a shift away from the algorithm-driven recommendations of corporate giants like Amazon and Goodreads. It offers a more personalized, community-driven approach to discovering and discussing books. This could be a refreshing change for readers who are tired of impersonal algorithms and are seeking a more authentic social reading experience. 2. Ban journalism housed in virtual Minecraft architecture from 99percentinvisible.org. The article Uncensored Library Ban journalism housed in virtual Minecraft architecture by Kurt Kolstad on the 99% Invisible website discusses the uncensored library project by Reporters Without Borders. The project uses Minecraft to share censored journalism, with in-game items functioning as books to house and share censored material. The library's architecture is designed to mimic authoritative buildings, subverting their usual use by filling them with free information. The library has reached audiences in heavily censored countries and remains accessible despite attempts to ban it. The webpage also provides links to podcast episodes, related articles, and various content categories, as well as a comment section and options to share content on social media. 
It includes a media player and notes on the use of cookies for user experience improvement. 3. Richard Rhodes wrote a classic book about Oppenheimer and the atomic bomb from theatlantic.com. The article The Man Who Wrote the A.I. Doomer Bible by Charlie Wurzel in The Atlantic explores the influence of Richard Rhodes' Pulitzer Prize-winning book, The Making of the Atomic Bomb, on AI researchers. Rhodes' book is revered among AI researchers, particularly at the AI company Anthropic, who see parallels between their work and the development of the atomic bomb. The article discusses the moral concerns of AI creators, the inevitability of technological advancements, and the fear of AI becoming smarter than humans. Rhodes draws parallels between the formative experiences of great scientists and AI researchers. He also introduces the concept of complementarity from quantum physics, which he believes AI researchers should consider. The article also discusses Rhodes' interpretation of Bohr's philosophy that a terrible weapon can also be a wonderful tool, and how this applies to AI development. The article concludes with a description of a jar of trinitite, a symbol of the unpredictability of life and the excitement and terror of technological advancements. 4. The Level Design Book gathers level design knowledge for 3D video games from book.leveldesignbook.com. The Level Design Book is an online resource that aims to compile knowledge about level design for 3D video games in a comprehensive, current, and critical manner. The book is designed to cater to designers of all experience levels and game engines. The book is still under construction and is yet to be publicly launched, indicating that its structure and content may undergo significant changes. The book covers a range of topics including an introduction to level design, an overview of the process of creating a level, a list of level editors and moddable games, links to free 2D-3D assets, information, other books, and advice for educators on how to use this book in class. The book is free to read under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share Alike 4.0 International, CC by NCSA 4.0, License. This means that the book will never be sold or put behind a paywall. If parts of the book are translated, the translation cannot be sold or access to it cannot be paywalled. The significance of this resource lies in its potential to democratize knowledge about level design in 3D video games. By making this information freely accessible, the authors are contributing to the growth and development of the gaming industry. Furthermore, the book's comprehensive approach, covering everything from the basics to more advanced topics, makes it a valuable resource for both beginners and experienced designers. Part 7. Working. 1. The Office is a Theater for Work from TomCritchlow.com. The article Yes. And. By Tom Critchlow, an independent consultant, is part of a book he is writing to guide independent consultants and freelancers. The article draws parallels between the roles of an improv actor and a consultant, emphasizing the importance of improvisation in the consulting field. It suggests that consultants should be active participants in the workplace, taking advantage of spontaneous interactions to plant seeds of new ideas. The article also discusses the challenge of thinking on the spot without resorting to dishonesty or exaggeration, providing tips for maintaining honesty. The author concludes by emphasizing the importance of maintaining a positive and optimistic attitude in the workplace. 2. My first five weeks switching from engineering to product management from blog.cyrusroshan.com. Penned by Cyrus Roshan, the article titled My First Five Weeks Transitioning from Engineer to Product Manager is a candid reflection on his initial weeks of transitioning from an engineer to a product manager at Jam, a browser extension that aids in bug reporting. Roshan's new role was born out of a need for a highly technical focus on the company's developer tools, a project he had previously championed. His role is a hybrid one, balancing between product management and engineering tasks. He likens his experience to jumping into a cold swimming pool, initially shocking but eventually refreshing. 
His first week was spent wrapping up engineering tasks while simultaneously conducting market research for potential features. The second week involved scoping out the cost and impact of these features, and writing product requirement documents, PRDs, for the chosen ones. The third week saw him collaborating closely with the designer to create mock designs for the PRDs. The fourth week was spent finalizing designs and deciding on engineer allocation with the PM founder, Danny. The fifth week involved handing off PRDs to engineers and finishing a small feature to unblock them. Roshan also shares his mistakes during this transition, such as not considering his own ideas during market research, not fully utilizing PRDs for design requirements, not charting out engineer allocation, and not involving the team and marketing early on. He also mentions the unexpected time cost of non-deliverable tasks, such as occupational therapy, onboarding new engineers, regular 1-1-S with teammates, and providing background for architectural or technical decisions. In his analysis, Roshan expresses newfound respect for the role of a PM, acknowledging the importance of communication and the ability to generate excitement within the team. He also emphasizes the value of allowing engineers to own the features they're working on, as their deep focus can lead to better product and design decisions. This article is significant as it provides an honest and insightful look into the challenges and learnings of transitioning from an engineering role to a product management role, highlighting the importance of communication, planning, and fostering a sense of ownership among team members. Part 8. Learn. 1. Food companies sweeten the world and increase the risk of disease from TheGuardian.com. The article How Food Companies Sweeten the World Dash and Increase the Risk of Disease by Kamal Ahmed, published in The Guardian discusses the marketing strategies of food companies in developing countries, particularly their promotion of ultra-processed foods as being good for you. The article highlights the case of a popular energy drink, Sting, made by PepsiCo India, which is marketed with claims of stimulating the mind and energizing the body, but contains high sugar levels. The article also discusses the concern of food campaigners in India and other developing countries about the rise in noncommunicable diseases, NCDs, such as diabetes and hypertension, and malnutrition among children due to the consumption of these ultra-processed foods. The article concludes by mentioning that the WHO has issued guidelines recommending that governments restrict the marketing of foods high in fat, sugar, and salt to children. The article also features insights from Arun Gupta, head of the think tank, Nutrition Advocacy and Public Interest, India, who warns of a ticking time bomb as NCDs rise in the country due to misleading marketing of processed foods by corporations. Gupta points out that food corporations often market these products towards children, making significant health claims that are misleading. The article also highlights the role of celebrities in promoting ultra-processed foods as an alternative to traditional food. The footer of The Guardian's website provides various links and information about the news outlet, including links to different sections of the website, information about The Guardian itself, links to their social media profiles, and a copyright notice. 2. Matrices and Graph from the Palindrome.org The article Matrices and Graphs by Tibidar Donka on the Palindrome website explores the connection between matrices and graphs in linear algebra. Donka explains how matrices can be represented as graphs, with each row as a node and each element as a directed and weighted edge. This representation simplifies the study of complex matrix behavior. The article also discusses the concept of strongly connected components and the Frobenius normal form, a block matrix structure applicable to all non-negative matrices. Donka further explains the transformation of non-negative matrices into the Frobenius normal form using directed graphs and permutation matrices. The article concludes with a mention of spectral graph theory and the relationship between matrices and graphs for both graph theory and linear algebra. Donka recommends two books for further reading and plans to expand the post into a textbook-like chapter. 3. 
This alien-looking airship design used a propulsion method unlike any other from the Drive.com. The article discusses the LTA-21 airship, a unique design from the 1980s developed by Magnus Aerospace Corporation. The airship used a propulsion method based on the Magnus effect, a phenomenon where a spinning object exerts a force on the air, altering its trajectory. The LTA-21 was initiated by Canadian inventor Frederick D. Ferguson and was designed to lift heavy loads. The airship featured a spherical balloon filled with helium that would rotate, lifting the airship and propelling it forward. Despite interest from foreign companies, a full-scale version of the LTA-21 was never built and Magnus Aerospace Corporation was dissolved in 2002. However, there has been a revival of interest in lighter-than-air vehicles in recent years, particularly for military applications. Part 9, Startup News 1. Microsoft faces antitrust scrutiny from the EU over Teams, Office 365 from windowcentral.com. The article discusses the potential antitrust investigation by the European Commission, EC, into Microsoft's bundling of its Teams software with Office 365. The EC is concerned that this may limit fair competition from similar apps like Slack and Zoom. Microsoft is considering allowing users to install Office without Teams to avoid further scrutiny. However, the EU is expected to begin a formal investigation into Microsoft's practices. The article also mentions that Slack, Google, and AWS have all lodged antitrust complaints against Microsoft. The text also provides links to various Microsoft Office 365 business subscriptions available for purchase from different online retailers. The author, Cole Martin, is introduced as a Call of Duty expert and indie game enthusiast for Windows Central. A forum user named Granite State Colin criticizes government intervention in business competition and Slack's reliance on government lobbying. The website is part of Future US Incorporated, a leading digital publisher. 2. Binance lays off over 1K employees from WSJ.com. The text provides an overview of the Wall Street Journal's website, detailing various sections, subsections, authors, and multimedia content. The sections cover a wide range of topics, from world news to sports and arts, with each section further divided into specific subsections. Several authors are listed, presumably contributing to these sections. The website also offers podcasts and other types of content like editorials, commentary, and reviews. The text also details a variety of multimedia content, including business videos and podcasts, and sections dedicated to space and science, and technology. The markets section covers various financial topics, while the opinion section features numerous columnists. The books and arts section includes reviews of various forms of entertainment, and the real estate section focuses on commercial real estate. The life and work section covers a variety of lifestyle topics. Despite the main content not being found, the page still displays popular articles, videos, and podcasts. The page also includes links to different language editions of the Wall Street Journal and Wall Street Journal membership options. 3. Apple tests Apple GPT, develops generative AI tools to catch OpenAI from Bloomberg.com. The article in question, published on Bloomberg, is titled Apple Preps Ajax Generative AI, Apple GPT to rival OpenAI and Google. The crux of the article is that Apple is developing a new generative AI model, named Ajax, which is designed to compete with similar models from OpenAI and Google. The author, unnamed, seems to be writing this piece to inform the public about Apple's latest venture into the AI space. The article details Apple's ambitious project, Ajax, a generative AI model that is being developed to rival the likes of OpenAI's GPT-3 and Google's BERT. The model is expected to have wide-ranging applications, from improving Siri's conversational abilities to enhancing Apple's text prediction software. 
The author notes that Apple's move is significant as it marks a shift from the company's traditional focus on hardware to a more software-centric approach. The article also highlights the competitive landscape of AI development. It mentions that OpenAI's GPT-3 and Google's BERT have set high standards in the field, and Apple's Ajax is seen as a direct response to these models. The author also points out that Apple's entry into this space could potentially disrupt the AI market, given the company's vast resources and influence. In terms of significance, this development underscores Apple's strategic shift towards AI and software development. It also highlights the increasing competition in the AI space, with major tech companies vying to create the most advanced models. This could potentially lead to rapid advancements in AI technology, benefiting consumers and businesses alike. Part 10. Fun. 1. A grub theme in the style of Minecraft from github.com. The article discusses a grub theme called Mine Grub Theme designed in the style of Minecraft, hosted on GitHub by user Linetheria. The theme has gained significant attention with 1.5k stars and 17 forks. The repository contains several files and folders related to the theme and is actively maintained, with the latest update made on June 15, 2023. The article provides a detailed guide on how to install and use the theme, which is written in Python and licensed under the MIT license. The theme allows for customization and includes a script for updating the theme. The author credits the idea to another GitHub user and thanks the internet for providing knowledge. The theme has had two releases, with the latest version, v1.2.0, released on June 15, 2023. 2. A few things to know before stealing my 914 from Haggerty.com. The article A Few Things to Know Before Stealing My 914 by Brian Gerald humorously details the many mechanical issues of a Porsche 914 owned by Norman Garrett. Garrett, an automotive engineering teacher and former concept engineer for the original Miata, guides a hypothetical thief through the process of stealing his car. He explains the car's various quirks, such as a door that doesn't lock due to a mechanical issue, a disconnected battery, a worn ignition switch, a frozen parking brake, and a complicated gear shift lever. He also warns about the car's broken fuel gauge and odometer, high beam only headlights, and the smell of oil from the exhaust pipes. Garrett advises against driving the car above 50 miles per hour due to a bent wheel and suggests abandoning the car at a nearby Exxon station. The article, published on the Haggerty website, is accompanied by reader comments sharing their own experiences with problematic cars. 3. Another world ported to FPGA from GitHub.com. The GitHub repository A5K. Another World on a Chip by Silifeb is a project that recreates the game Another World on a Hardware Chip. The repository contains various sections and files, including a detailed readme.md file that explains the project. The author describes the game as a graphical and gameplay masterpiece and a technical marvel. The project involves creating a hardware version of the game's virtual machine, VM, Blitter, and Rasterizer, using a UP5K Lattice FPGA. The author explains the process of creating the hardware VM, setting up frame buffers, designing the display controller, and implementing the blitter and rasterizer. The game uses a palette trick to create the illusion of transparency and has the ability to copy its interior pixels from a source frame buffer. The author acknowledges limitations such as the lack of sound and music and suggests potential future work to address these issues. Instructions on how to test the game in simulation and on actual hardware are also provided. 4. Cool Retro Terminal from GitHub.com. The GitHub page of the project Cool Retro Term by user Swordfish90 is a terminal emulator that mimics old cathode displays. The project is public and has received significant attention with 19.7k stars and 785 forks. 
The page provides various navigation options and project-related options including code, issues, pull requests, and more. The latest commit was made by Swordfish90 on March 31, 2022. The project has 787 commits and includes files like GitHub, App, Packaging, and more. The page also provides options for cloning the project and launching it with GitHub Desktop, Xcode, and Visual Studio Code. The project is primarily written in QML, with some C++ and JavaScript. It has a sponsorship section with links to Swordfish90's Patreon page and a PayPal donation link. The project has had eight releases, with the latest being Cool Retro Term 1.2.0, released on January 29, 2022. 5. Unloop, a generative music looper that doesn't repeat itself from github.com. The article discusses a GitHub repository named Unloop by user Hugo Flores Garcia. The repository, which has been starred 191 times and forked 5 times, contains a project described as a co-creative looper that uses generative modeling to not repeat itself. The repository includes various files and folders, with the latest commit made on July 18, 2023. The readme.md file provides a brief project description and mentions a demo video. The repository also offers options for users to sign in, sign up, provide feedback, and use saved searches. The article further explains the Unlooper tool, a max patch that uses VampNet to generate music loop variations. To set up and use Unlooper, users need to install certain Max externals, clone the repository, install a local Python package, and know the path to their Python installation. The tool is licensed under the MIT license and uses Max, 97.3%, and Python, 2.7%. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to HackerCast.